0: You're listening to an exclusive podcast of the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. Heard Sunday mornings at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM 740.
1: From hockey to wrestling, football to golf, no sport left unturned. You're listening to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zuma Radio. Good morning, Naz. Good morning, Wally. Neil? The boys are back. Let's talk sports.
2: Good morning and welcome to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. We are live from Liberty Village in downtown Toronto. I'm your host, Walter Rigabon. As usual, with me in studio, my co-host, Naz Marchese. Good morning, Naz. How are you? I'm good. How are you, Wally? I'm doing great. Thanks so much. Also joining us in the house this morning... Butch Carter. Butch, how are you this morning, sir? Good, good. Thanks for having me, guys. We're, we're thrilled to have you. We're certainly looking uh, looking forward to catching up. Uh, anyways, to all everyone out there, it uh, the clocks have changed. It may look a little bit brighter than you're used to for 9 a.m. in the morning. We are now on Eastern Standard Time. And uh, if you haven't turned your clocks back, now might be a good time. Um, coming up uh, later on the show, uh, former Toronto Maple Leaf and now co-host of uh, TSN's Radio First Up show on uh, Monday to Friday. Carlo Koliakovo, certainly thrilled to be talking to him as well. Uh, Naz, uh, you're covering a couple of bases this morning in your, uh, in your attire. Of course, uh, the, uh, the, the red of the Alabama Crimson Tide, they, they are just rolled, completely rolled over LSU last night. And you're also wearing an Argo cap this morning. So why don't we start off from the top? And work our way down. Uh, Argos um, Mark Tressman was fired. In uh, in um, he Mark uh, Argos did not have a great year, obviously
3: four and fourteen. Yeah. yeah.
2: Um, should he have been fired? Well, based
3: on the record, uh, I guess so. But uh, there's some circumstances that I just found out prior to the show that uh, Mark Tressman was going through a lot of uh, different stress situations and. Uh, not, maybe not too fair to Mark Trestman. Uh
2: I, I want to uh, pipe in at that point. Um, great Cup victory a year ago. Uh, obviously.
3: Yeah, that came from nowhere by yeah, the
2: way. Yeah, time. horrendous season. Uh, you know, and I'll turn it over to you, uh, Coach Carter. Uh, is that reason enough to gas the coach? I
4: think, you know, from what I know, in. I'm not going to say all that I know, but the reality is that Trestman, I believe, should have been given a leave of absence. He lost his father. He's dealing with two issues with two females, his mother and his wife, that are very serious. I I don't believe you can professionally coach under that amount of stress. You don't go through your life caring and loving for the people who to take care of you in an integral part of your life and then when when they're having a a life-threatening issue that you can show up to practice and lead grown men and you got to remember you know my perception of what the cfl is is that there's a lot of american international players that come from directional schools and they need a leader they need a strong leader if not they will get away from you. And, and and the Argos are at a disadvantage because they're playing in a major metropolitan city. The housing is entirely different than it is here in Saskatchewan or Edmonton or Calgary. So um, it is a tough situation because of the nature of the beast of uh, 5 million people. It is a tough situation because, you know, they don't fill the 25,000-seat stadium they play in. And then you add the emotional piece of, There's no way, um, you know, the people who are near and dear with me that if they are fighting health issues that are going to take them away from me forever, that a coach can stick his head in. I don't care how good he is. I don't care how tough he is. It just doesn't work. And um, I think that that trust should have been given the leave of absence this year. And let one of the assistant coaches coach and, and give him time to clear the thing up. It would have been better for the organization, the players, and, and clearly for coach. Let me ask you, Butch.
2: Um, yeah, you know, obviously we're uh, you know we're, we're we're trying to create something here with the Argos that is 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 getting us interested in. I'll be quite frank with you. We've talked to Mike Hogan on the show a couple of times, and we. We, we tried to make an effort to get interested in them this year and it just it just it didn't it doesn't happen and I'm not sure how many people are actually going to watch these games it, it just this year more than any other in Naz and butch I'll ask you guys it just seemed they're completely and utterly off the radar screen um, I know for personal reasons butch because you have a nephew uh, that uh, became part of the Argos this year that you perhaps you follow them. Uh, more, than, more than the rest of us. But they just seem to have fallen off the radar screen. And it's like, okay, they're out of their playoffs. Does anybody care?
3: But Wally, if you look at the two seasons, they were 9-9 nine and nine last year and 4-14 four and 14 this year. It's pretty hard to get excited, although they did win the Great Cup unexpectedly, right? They won
5: in, the Great In Cup. one of the greatest <laughs> Great so Cups ever. How do you sell
4: yeah, well, you, you gotta have a win- Butch. You gotta have a winning team. You, I mean, you, you have to have a winning team, and and you have to have some kind of atmosphere. And you know, now I've been around the CFL because I have two nephews playing. Duran played here this year, in between here and here in Saskatchewan, and Ken Stafford's been a receiver in, in Edmonton and Calgary. So I've I've been around the league, and there's no atmosphere, you know. And and as a only in Toronto, only in Toronto, only in Toronto, only in Toronto. Yeah. there's no there's no atmosphere. The, if they could pick the stadium up and move it to you know, uh, Whitby, Ajax, uh, Oshawa, where families could go. You go to the games. There's, you know, there's no
2: families, and I don't see how. You- I don't know. You know what? I, I, I'm sorry to interrupt you, Butch, but we we get we sort of got involved in another story this year, which happened right across the street from us yeah. at Lamport Stadium, right. the Toronto Wolfpack, right. and they've got a a loyal following of about ten thousand people, so. It's sort of. I've always have been of the same opinion as you. Put the stadium out where the families are, but the Wolfpack play right here. Like where, you know, I look the other way and I see BMO, and they get ten thousand people.
4: Yeah, but why? To, to make
2: because they got a ticket
4: package. That's a family package, right? So, you know, it's um, you know, the last home game for the Argos. Um, Duran's mom and sister were coming in from Florida, and uh, I was able to get a box because you know i didn't know what the weather was going to be and i wanted to sit inside <laughs> but it wasn't a problem getting the box i mean the the issue at the end of the day is that it's it's just not there you've got mls toronto fc had a great season last year for the last four seasons the reps have been really good the lease are better so you know as far as how much money disposable money families have to spend you know they'd they'd rather go to four lease games or six Raptor games than you know a season
2: of the Argos.
3: It's been two years since they've moved, right? And they have—they yeah. they don't have a winning team. So how can you? How can you? You can't. You can't, you can't make can't. the
2: judgment. Uh, let me ask you this question. I want to move on uh, mm-hmm. um, from from <laughs> talking about the Argos. Um, during the middle of the season, Naz and I had this discussion. Uh, Johnny Manziel became available, and Nas Naz forcefully made the point. Um, Diargo should have made every effort to grab him, especially Ricky Ray was down by this point. And, and it Ricky just,
3: Ray was down in Game 3, yeah, I think. And, was,
2: and, right? and, you know, Manziel, for whatever, um, whatever his history was, there's a certain star associated with the name. Right. Um, is, that, is that what you need to be successful in, in a Toronto market? You have to have somebody you, you want to go out and watch? Yeah, you've got to have some sizzle. I mean,
4: um, Manziel is no different than, you know, again, uh, Deron Carter has been twice named an all-star in the CFL, and he couldn't get the football thrown to him. So it's it's just impossible. So Deron has a background similar to Manziel's. Uh, no domestic abuse or anything, but um, Deron has struggled at times, and he is learning to be a better person and follow the rules. But Trustman runs ran such a tight ship; he didn't want any of those guys. I mean, he he does not want them, and he has a way of making them feel uncomfortable. So Pop, Pop was, you know, probably did not want to have that battle with everything else that was going on. But you know, remember the Argos took off when Flutie came here; they went and got Flutie. And the little sucker ran around and threw the football and made a name for himself and went back to the you know the NFL. But it was a wonderful story for the Argos. And you know if you're not willing to take that risk, um, you,
2: you, you, you so so you, let, you, you let go me, ahead, Ness.
3: Let me point out: Johnny Manziel will become uh, available over the off season. Well, you, you Did they
2: get, go after him? Uh, yeah, why not? Well, why, no, what, what do what do he got to lose?
4: Uh, I, I still think Johnny has one more year. That, to and, learn the, to learn the ropes up here. Yeah, he's he's got one more year, but um the the reality is as always, you know, the rest of the teams in the CFL aren't going to do the the Argos any favors. No, of course not. Right? And that's probably why Hamilton didn't want <laughs> Hamilton did <laughs> move well, in Toronto, right? Here. So the, so they sent him shipped him away, but again, you know, it's it's uh, look, man, I love going to the cottage and sitting down and watching Friday night football and, and now on Thursday. So I mean, like you know, I've always been a fan of the league. Um, as I've said on your show many times, just it's unbelievable that I came here in 98 and I've got two nephews playing in the league. Just, you know, you never would have thought of it. They make a living for themselves. They're very happy being up here. Um, you know, we'd always like to see the Toronto teams win. And you got to wish them the
2: best. And, and let's hope Pop gets it right. It's interesting that, you know, just we, we talking about this concept of star power and you brought up Flutie. And I look back on the Argos' history. Um, we've always in this city had almost like a tradition of bringing in star players. You go back to the '70s. We yeah. brought in Theisman, right. brought in Stillwagon. That's right. Then we brought in those two Georgia boys, uh, Wilson and Parish. Yeah. And and you know and then, and then.
3: Leon McQuay.
2: Leon McQuay. I mean, that's. I mean, we're really. We're. I guess this is Zoomer Radio, so we we can go back. Uh, but. The Rocket dis- Ismail
3: too, right? The, yeah. the
2: Rocket. Th- yeah. That seems to have disappeared. I mean, I, I understand the salary structures have changed so significantly over time. I mean, the CFL could actually compete with the NFL when it came to money yes. in the old, old days. Yeah. Obviously, those days are long gone. Correct. But somehow, somehow you've got to create some star power in the city of Toronto. And you look what, the, you look what TFC did yes. by signing Jovenko and Bradley and Altidore. Uh, you've you got to have somebody who's going to bring people out. And and right now, quite frankly, quite frankly, the Argos don't have anybody. But
3: but but the uh, there was a I heard something that they were pop didn't like the quarterback ch- uh, change.
4: Well, I mean Franklin
3: I, was the guy, right? Yeah, they spent well, a lot I of money on the guy. I
4: don't I don't know uh, you know any intimate details about about that. Uh, the issue at the end of the day for me is is uh, you know personally you know there's there's a guy who is my nephew running around. And he's a pretty good football player.
3: He's very
2: good. Right? Very good.
4: But if either one of those guys won't throw it to him, he has zero chance of being successful.
2: Why bother being here? Right. Anyways, I'm going to wrap it up there, uh, Butch. Uh, we've got a lot of basketball to talk about. We've got a lot to catch up on. So uh, we're going to go to break, and we'll come back, and let's, uh, let's talk some Raptors.
6: It was a rainy day when Pizzaville decreed everyone can now be Italian, at least for an hour. When you order a Pizzaville office lunch, your staff will enjoy authentic Italian pizza and more from just $7 per person. That's not much to turn William into Gielmo, Tracy into Teresa, and Stan into... Well, maybe he won't be in that day.
1: Pizzaville Stone-Baked Pizza. Fiercely Canadian. Authentically Italian.
5: Experience the difference that makes Alta Infinity the captain's choice.
1: The only thing I love more than sports is sports radio. Take it away, boys. The Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio. Good morning and
2: welcome back to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. We are live from Liberty Village in downtown Toronto on the new AM 740. Downtown Toronto, 96.7 FM. And if you're watching on the internet, we're live video streaming at www.zoomerradio.ca. Joining us in the house this morning, former Raptors coach, Butch Carter. Butch, how are you, sir? Good, good. Let's talk some basketball. Okay, uh, Raptors are off to a pretty good start, you could say. Are you surprised? Uh, not surprised because uh, I was...
4: Um, my son Josh was uh, doing some volunteer work at Kyle Lowry's camp. And when Kyle spoke to the kids, he got very serious at the end of, and said that the kids should be prepared for them to do something special this year. And the only question that I had was, around the team was outside of the left leg of Kawhi was what kind of condition was was he going to come back Kyle come back in and so far he's he's been really good I mean he's cooled off a little bit but he's been on fire and um, I think that you know that the things you look at in basketball especially for the east are Historically on your guys' show, I've, I've warned you that the Raptors were going to be in trouble because of they were never very good in the first and third quarter. And that just goes against what I say is the second most important analytic in basketball, winning the first and third quarter. They go out and get Kawhi and Danny Green, and they're back to killing people in the third quarter. And it's, it's quite evident that when you are successful in the third quarter, you eliminate the officials doing things to you um and most analytical guys don't even have the officials in their model so i think they've been very good they do have a problem from an injury standpoint fred van fleet could not play in the playoffs last year and i see i wasn't paying attention on what he provided but it allows lowry to move to the two and become more of a score shooter and Uh, He's an integral part of them being consistent through their second team. Um, C.J. Miles, I think Danny Green is eliminated. They can let C.J. Miles go. C.J. Miles can't guard, is predominantly left-handed, hasn't made shots. They've got younger players. Um, But I do want to say something that is what I see. So this summer... In the spring, I was involved in interviewing for a job to replace some of the guys at Adidas who got in trouble. So as part of that job responsibility, it's signing pro players. Well, the agent for Kawhi is my old-time agent, Mitch Franco, my brother Chris's agent. So we've been friends since, uh, I want to say, 86, so it's a long time and we all moved down to Boca Raton, Florida when Mitch moved his firm down there um, in in the early 90s. So I wanted to see Kawhi was coming off a contract with Bran Jordan, and I wanted to see if I was going to be able to get him signed. I insisted on being able to watch him play because he did not play. I watched the 16 games he played last year, I insisted on Mitch, you know, I want to see him work out this summer. Mitch would not let me see him work out. So that led me to the film room. So as part of my job as one of the uh, uh, mentors for the NBA with uh, former players who want to coach, I have access to all the video. I had to go back all the way to three seasons ago, and I went through every playoff game that he was in and clearly in my opinion Kawhi is lame in his left leg if you watch the games this year he cannot jump off one leg and I'm not I'm not surprised twice in the Phoenix game he in a fast break he had to jump off one leg and then they said he went to the locker room but I believe that it is unbelievable what he is pulling off because he's been a predominantly two-foot jumper I am not a big fan of two-foot jumpers because the stress anatomically that it puts on the body. I changed Vince Carter and Tracy McGrady from two-foot jumpers to one-foot jumpers. Um, But I believe that what he's done is miraculous. He has self-help conditioned himself back to where he can overcome this issue, whatever is in his leg or his back on the left side. But it's clear that he does not jump off that left leg until the Phoenix game. The last time I could find him jumping off his left leg in a fast break was San Antonio at Miami when they beat LeBron. And the guy who passed it to him in those breaks was Danny Green. So that also sent a signal to me. No wonder. I can't believe that San Antonio gave up both Danny Green and Kawhi when they play so well together. Most of the time they were on a string. One knew where the other one was at all the time. But on those fast breaks, Kawhi almost jumped to 12 feet. He jumped so high and was so athletic. And if you look at his dunks at home, he's, he's a two-foot jumper. He's always trying to collect himself and go off two feet. So I think that he is lame in his left leg. I think that it's always going to be an issue throughout the year. So that means OG and Genobi, Fred Van Fleet, and Kawhi, those three are all at risk for injury. I understand the importance of the season for Kawhi, because Kawhi's in a similar situation, but he's quiet compared to Jimmy Butler. Everybody forgets Jimmy Butler got screwed. He was supposed to get a max deal in Chicago, and Chicago shipped him out. All right. Then Tibbs probably told him, you know, we'll take care of you when you come to Minnesota. Jimmy goes to Minnesota, gets screwed. All right. So Kawhi's been very quiet, but Kawhi—if anyone deserved a max deal, who earned it? The way the collective bargaining is set up, it's Kawhi Leonard, all right. And San Antonio said, "No, we're not. We're not doing it for whatever reason." It's a lot of money for a young man and his family and it's you know his grandkids. So, his professionalism uh, and and focus of mind is is really awesome. I think that they are the best team in the East if all those if those three guys are healthy. I think they're the best. Uh, team in the East, I think they'll show that if those guys are playing at home and on the road, um, what they will really have to overcome is a first-year coach.
2: Let me ask you, Butch, and you know, you've thrown uh, you've thrown uh, some you've thrown an analysis out there. I'm going to be watching Kawhi a little bit more closely if he plays tonight against uh, against the Lakers to see if I can get a sense of uh, of, of what you've just uh, analyzed. But. Uh, uh, Latest word is, Kawhi might be playing tonight. It's a good chance he's going to play tonight. I would think that it would take something serious to keep him off the court
4: in L.A. Uh, I, I just think that he's going to be professional about managing. He's not going to, yeah. look, as bad as he'll want to play one game, he's played well enough that, you know, he doesn't have to play.
3: But so, the, he's, he's averaged 37 minutes in the games he's played, though. That's A lot of time,
4: <laughs> no, but but he is one of those super athletes. He's born different, Nas. Okay, he he is, he well, he's managing on on one and a half legs. with the rest of his dream we can do in a lifetime. <laughs> I mean, he he's really that good. I, I'll give you one play. The first play of the Philadelphia game in here, Ben Simmons comes down as, "Hey, I'm Ben Simmons, six ten, and I'm getting ready to wear you out." And Kawhi took the ball from him like like a man taking candy from a baby. He just reached and took the ball from him and took off. All right, and Ben Simmons has never been the same, and you just don't see that. You don't see someone. You know, if Ben could shoot, he would be in in the top ten players in the league. He's in the top fifteen at worst because he's a beast. But Kawhi just and when you as a teammate, when you see your guy go on their best guy and, and lock him up. All right, it just it elevates everyone.
3: You know, Lowry's conditioning has been amazing. He's doing stuff there out there that he's never done before.
4: Well, like, I think he's 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 had he's had uh, he lost his best friend on the team. All right, but he is still respectful to the organization that's writing the checks for him. Uh, he had a tough summer. His agent got in trouble, so there's no longer his agent. And I think he's just locked in. I think that. You know, I don't think that Kyle is going to spend a bunch of time in Toronto when he's not playing basketball, but you got to give Kyle Lowry credit. When he is here playing basketball, he is a little bulldog. And, you know, hopefully he'll stay healthy, but it's really important for Kyle to stay healthy by Fred being able to take some of the minutes away and some of the responsibility. And I I didn't realize how important Fred was because I just wasn't locked in on what was going on with those guys, but
2: clearly they were – Really bad against Cleveland, because Fred could not play talking to Butch Carter, butch, uh, you were on one of our shows last spring, and it was uh, it was the week where uh, Dwayne Casey was going to be voted the uh, best coach of the NBA, yeah. and three I think three days before that happened, I think off the air, yeah. you'd said you had mentioned to us you didn't think Dwayne was going to last the week. And we were absolutely, it didn't, we didn't do it. it, wasn't on the air, it was off the air. And we were absolutely shocked by that. But, you know, you, you saw something coming. Dwayne Casey was, was beloved by a lot of people in this area. Um, and now he's been, I, I find, found it kind of shocking that he was replaced by his assistant coach. I still didn't understand how that made any sense. Uh, but now that we're X amount of games into the season and the Raptors are doing well, can you evaluate what Nick Nurse is doing as a coach? Is is it just a, is it just a question of the change of talent, or is is there something about his coaching that? Uh, um, that is, uh, that's different, that's, that, that the team is playing a different different brand of basketball. So I, I thought
4: about this question, you know, and being fair to, to Nick, because I've been in that seat, and I transferred from, I was the assistant coach, and actually the best way to do it is take the assistant coach. If you have a good team, take the assistant coach. I actually learned that from Pat Riley. Riles was the assistant coach when they got rid of Westhead and it's a different voice but you know what the head coach's weaknesses are you know what the players weaknesses are the only thing that bothered me about Nick Nurse is last year he was supposed to be responsible for the offense and when Kyle Korver was on DeMar DeRozan in the Cleveland series couldn't him the basketball right which is which is not you know it's it's inexcusable that You, DeMar is struggling, and if you're the offensive coach, it's your responsibility to figure out a way, especially with a deficient defender as Kyle Corver, to get in the basketball. So Riley was the first one that got moved over and won a championship. And then, you know, there's lots of circumstances where, you know, they took Rudy Rudy Tomjanovich, him replacing Phil Jackson, and it blew up because it takes a lot of time to understand how to make an organization work. And to bring someone new off the street, you know, when, when when I walked in late with a coffee and they told me I was going to be coaching the team, I asked, well, what's wrong with his back? No, no, we let him go. And But I immediately knew because I'd kept my notes on what was wrong with the team and what had to change in practice and and what we had to do with personnel. So you have to give nurse the benefit of the doubt on that. And you also have to understand, as a first-year head coach, there are going to be some nights against veteran coaches he's going to look bad. All right, The game in Milwaukee, he was not ready for. He was not ready for an uh, experienced coach like Boot Hoser, the spacing of Boot Hoser. Because when you watch a team play as good as the Raptors and guys are lost, in other words, guys are getting baskets and the, and the Raptors are looking around at each other like, why didn't you help me? That, that goes back to a lot of preparation, coaching preparation. It was a back-to-back.
3: But Dwayne Casey is he going to be successful in Detroit?
4: No, he's got a bad group. Not unless they trade. Not unless they trade. He's got a Reggie Jackson. He's got a point guard that doesn't know how to play and thinks he's a star. Um, he's got a really he's got a really bad group. They drafted a kid from Arizona, Stanley Jackson, looks like Superman, plays like Jane. So you know, <laughs> he's he's inherited some some real issues. Um, I watched them again against Philadelphia yesterday. I watched them three times. And they've inherited some real issues as far as being a head coach. Casey is a brilliant manager. Not as good a coach, but he's a brilliant manager. So he'll manage his way through it, but he's got it. Someone upstairs has to help him by getting some guys moved and giving them some assets that can go
2: with Blake. Butch, last question before we go to break. Um, then we'll uh, be chatting with Carlo Koliakovo. Um, Tonight, Raptors-Lakers, assuming Kawhi's in the game, and the latest reports are he's going to be in the game, uh, certainly a matchup to look forward to. Not really. You don't think Ka- they're going to match Kawhi up against LeBron? No, the issue, The issue. that's not the issue. Uh,
4: Lakers uh, finally beat Portland last night. Uh, LeBron had to play the whole game. So then he's got to get on a plane, come back to L.A., and who's waiting there if Kawhi's going to play, but... Superman 2. So, <laughs> so I think it's, you know, it's one of those games that's an easy get if the, if, uh, uh, the
2: Lakers...
3: Well, are yeah, playing back-to-back. Back, so yeah. Yeah. Okay, so let
2: me, let me take the question and put it in a different way. Uh, Kawhi up against LeBron, they're both rested, and they're both at the top of their games. How does that matchup play itself out? Ka- Kawhi is, is the only guy that can defend him in the whole league.
4: He's strong enough, quick enough. He's the only guy and has the mental IQ and toughness to take him on. That's that's the history of you know, all that all that video I went back and looked through, Kawhi locked down Kevin Durant until he twisted his ankle. I mean, he's just that good. I mean the man the man has he may be one of the few people in professional basketball that has an extra set on his fingers. Well all of us, you know, we sit there and we say, hey, We got three. Well he's got four <laughs> right and he's he he and he knows how to use
2: them He is just really then good. I, ask, I don't
3: think the Raptor fans are aware how good this guy' is well we're be, we're becoming aware
2: Still. let me ask then let's really before we go to break um i, I know you know we want to concentrate on on the raptors in their path to the n b a finals and wherever that happens but this this discussion's going to be ongoing the entire year agree. And uh, since you're here, I've got to ask you, uh, if you were a betting man and you were laying odds, uh, is Kawhi going to be back? Is, is he going to sign with the Raptors? Is he going to stay here more than the year? Well, this is the way I'm going to answer that. It, it's with, with Paul George, it
4: end up being money. It would be an extra 30 or $40 million, right? If uh, as long as I've known Mitch, Mitch, Mitch is going to want his percentage of that extra 30, thirty, forty million dollars. <laughs> so it's, so, so, so do you blame him? So, no, <laughs> no. no, but I mean that, that's that's you know, the way the that, world that, works. That, that's that's the way it is. the The issue again will be if a shoe company decides they want quine in L.A., then they'll make up the difference. That's that's just the way it is. That's just the, that's just the way it is. It's it's uh, you know I've been very clear that. Toronto, you know, because the endorsement money is not here because the way the system is set up here. But um if if Kawhi gets the I actually think if he gets the, the uh, Raptors to the to the Eastern Finals and and they win, I don't think it's anything that would keep him here. I would just it just reinforces what kind of player he is when he's healthy on his impact on on a, on a on a
2: conference. Anyways, we'll leave it at that. Uh, it's time for our second break,
6: and we'll be right back after the break with Carlo Koliakovo. It was a rainy day in Pizzaville when I realised that, unlike pizza, you can enjoy Pizzaville's authentic panzerotti with just one hand. Pizzaville and its entities, owned in whole or in part, have no interest in knowing what you do with your other hand while you're consuming one of our panzerotti. Seriously. Get two authentic Italian panzerotti with cheese and sauce for just 10 49 One for each hand.
1: Pizzaville Stone-Baked Pizza. Fiercely Canadian. Authentically Italian.
6: At
0: Titanium Logistics, we believe that choosing the right shipping company comes down to two issues, price and cost. Most prices are competitive. We'll likely save you money, too. But the cost of choosing the wrong company to service your cross-border freight to and from the U.S. and Mexico can be extraordinary. If it's not where it should be, when it should be, that bargain price, worthless. Titanium Logistics, on time, on budget. Call 905-266-3014. Ask for Blair Downey.
5: Experience the difference that makes Alta Infinity the captain's choice.
1: Are they ever wrong about sports? I can answer that in two words. Impossible. The Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio. Good,
2: wor- good morning and welcome back to the Nas and Wally Sports Hour. We are live from Liberty Village in downtown Toronto. That was Toronto. a nice chuckle. Uh, uh, just chuckling, a right, <laughs> just lo- chuckling a bit. Canadians. Chuckling a bit. Butch Carter's in the house this morning and... Uh, Butch, you got us laughing. Thanks so much. But uh, we're pleased to welcome his first appearance on Zoomer Radio, former Toronto Maple Leaf, and the co-host of First Up on TSN Radio, Monday to Fridays from 6 till 10, co-hosting with Mike Landsberg, Carlo Koliakovo. Good morning, Carlo. How are you? I'm
0: doing great,
2: guys. You guys sound like having way too much fun on a Sunday morning. <laughs> well, you know, it, it, i, I got to say, your gig's pretty tough, my friend. You know, having <laughs> having to get down there for 6 o'clock in the morning and going from 6 to 10, you yeah. know what? No, that's that's a little bit harsh on me. Uh, uh, so I, I give you all the credit in the world. But, Carlo, uh, you're, of course, a uh, former Toronto, my belief. Grew up in the Toronto area. Uh, All the Toronto Maple Leaf uh, and all the Toronto sports fans, uh, remember who you are. Uh, but uh, we're thrilled you're doing this show, uh, my friend. You you got me to switch from uh, your competition. I've been a loyal listener. Uh, <laughs> I've been a loyal listener of that other show, that other sports yeah. show in the morning, which, uh, you know, uh, you used to love to listen to Stellick and Landry and Marsden and all those guys. But uh, you got me listening to uh, Landsberg and Koliakovo in the morning right now, so
0: that's it. Awesome, man! That's, uh, I'm glad to hear. I mean, that's that's uh, to be honest with you, that's uh, that's what makes me feel good about what I'm doing right now. Is uh, the feedback that I've been getting, not just from you, from a, a lot of the public, has been uh, has been so overwhelming, and uh, it makes me feel good that uh, knowing that I'm doing a good job entertaining people. Like right, like you said, it's a tough time in the morning, and uh, the challenging part for me is uh, in the beginning. It was just getting used to a, a different structure of my life. But um, it, it's, it was honestly an easy transition because it was so much fun to talk sports on the radio. And, uh, you know, the biggest part, uh, the, or the biggest challenge that I face every morning is trying to bring as much energy as I can. And as Michael advocates... We do the five-hour energy.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Carlo, I've got to ask you, just so you know, uh, I'm the Wally of the Naz and Wally, and of course Naz is with me this morning. we got Butch mm-hmm. Carter, former Raptors coach, who's uh, co-hosting. Up, hey, hey Carlo, how are you? I'm doing great. Uh, we just want to, you know, obviously we want to talk about you a little bit before we move on to uh, the fantastic Leaf performance from last night. We certainly mm-hmm. want to chat about that. But uh, tell us, Carlo, uh, uh, you know, some people some people dream to grow up and be a Toronto Maple Leaf. Some people dream to grow up and be on radio. Did uh, you? I'm sure the first dream you had. How about the second one? Did uh, when did you first uh, uh, become aware that uh, you had an interest in the sports talk radio gig? And uh, how did it all come about?
0: Uh, well, to be honest with you, um, I've never thought in a million years that I'd be doing sports talk radio. Um, I always thought that my post career would envision something. Uh, within the world of hockey, and I always had the passion to pursue some something in coaching. And um, you know, as the last couple of years, you know, last two years, I took my myself over to Europe to uh, continue my career. you kind of had an idea that someday it was going to come to an end. And uh, the biggest fear for me was one. It was always wondering what if and what was going to be, um, you know, in my post career and. I think the, the the greatest thing that I did throughout my career was I always uh, valued my relationships and respected uh, everybody that I worked with and and every environment that I was in uh, because you know it it helped it, it helped me find something this great in my post career. Um, so early in April when I came back from Europe, um, you know the, the sort of the the reaction that I was getting on what I wanted to do next year. Uh, which is obviously still continue to play because I always said to myself that as long as my body will allow me to play, um, I wanted to play hockey as long as I could. And it just it, the reception uh, on the other side just wasn't what I wanted it to be. So I started to pursue other things. Uh, uh, I started to network through my contacts and pursue something in the coaching ranks. And I just started, started to see what was out there. I do a lot of uh, hockey training on the side with Power Edge Pro, uh which is a skill development company and that's what kept me busy in the beginning but uh, luckily for me over the last couple of years i did some stuff with tsn uh, whether it was call-ins or, or um you know spot ins and you know for an hour at a time in the in studio and i got some really really good feedback uh from everybody there saying that i was really good and um you know just just wondering if it was something i'd be interested in and uh, late April, I got a call from a good friend of mine, and Jeff O'Neill. And you know, the first thing he asked me was, "Are you ready to retire yet?" And I'm like, "I don't, I don't know. I haven't really made that decision. It's hard to really uh, decide on on quitting on something that you love doing." And you know, he told me about his job and and how how it's affecting his life and how much he loves doing it and how much stress free it is. And I think that was the key, being stress free, because as a hockey player and living the hockey life. You know, you're you're enjoying life, doing what you love doing, but there comes a lot of stress with it. And so I'm like, okay, well, let's let's give this thing a try. And uh, when I met with uh, the producers at TSN, they they uh, told me what they were looking for, told me what they had available, and I said, you know what, let's give this thing a shot. And honest to God, from the first time I did it you know, up until now, every day it gets more fun and more enjoyable, and you know, it's something that I'm really, really glad that I got myself into because I've always talked sports my whole life obviously I played hockey I love watching sports and now I get to do it uh, you know on, on a broader stage where I'm entertaining an audience and to me just just by what you said Walter having you switch from, from being a morning show guy on the other station to enjoy listening to me that's what makes me feel good about what I do and I put every ounce of effort to be the best I can be day in and day out and you know Ultimately, I just try to do what I can to uh, be the listener myself and find find a sort of a, find a sense of entertainment that uh, something that I would enjoy listening to to broadcast that to a bigger audience. And I've I've had the absolute most fun doing it. And I I can't wait uh, you know until I get back to work tomorrow. But just just to see what the future looks like in this industry,
3: Carlo. It's Naz here. Uh, you played a long time for the Lisa, a number of games, and yeah. home and away. The Leafs have a record of six and zero on the road, and they're three and five at home. Did you find a difference playing on the road and at home?
0: Yeah, I mean, absolutely. You know, back then the game was different than it is now. Um, coaches have, have become a lot smarter. Have basically sucked the fun out of the game by the way they coach. Um, and the way they do that is they break down other teams. They they you know they use video as is more impactful now more than ever. And I think. Uh, the difference we see on the home and on the road is, you know, matchups. And uh, for the Leafs, it almost seems like when they go on the road, they play with more intensity. Uh, they play more free will because the guys that are out there have to stay out there. Where, uh, you know, on, on a home ice, you're sort of matching up against the other teams' uh, matchups, and sometimes they can get a change in. But when it comes to talking about the Maple Leafs, I can tell you from first hand experience, as a road player coming into the Scotiabank Arena and playing the Maple Leafs, you always know that the spotlight's on you so you're bringing your A game no matter what. And I think for for this year especially given all the talk and the hype around the Maple Leafs, I think that's that's elevated to another level for the road teams that come in where <coughs> you're getting every team's A plus plus game. And I think it's it's just been something that the Leafs have had a hard time adjusting to because Intensity just isn't the same at home that it is on the road.
2: I, I, I want to interrupt there just for a second, Carlo. Um, it's a point that we've made on the show, and 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 uh, Butch, if you wanna if you wanna pipe in on this one, uh, I and and I and I don't mean this in a terrible way. I just mm-hmm. find. I, I got to get out of my mental block. I was about to call it the ACC, so it's the Scotia Bank Arena. <laughs> no, I have a hard time doing I, I, that I'm too. still, I'm still calling the I'm still calling the Rogers Dome the Sky Dome. So yeah, I'll know. never get it. But I've always thought the worst place to watch an NHL game is is in Toronto. Yeah. Uh, I, I absolutely love watching NHL hockey in Montreal. I've been in Columbus. I've been in Chicago, Boston, Detroit. Pittsburgh. Toronto is the worst place to watch an NHL hockey game because the atmosphere, uh unless it's a playoff game, but during the regular season on a weeknight, you come back, the players come back for the second period, there's nobody watching the game. Um I don't know. I mean you went through it as a player. I don't know, you know, I guess as a player you just suck it up, you're paid to play and you do the best you can. Uh, but that's. I Does that affect the performance of a team?
0: I, I think it does, especially. I mean, uh, yeah, at Scotiabank Arena, because you want to find um, some sort of home ice advantage if you're the Maple Leafs. And what do you use home ice advantage of at the Scotiabank Arena? I think that the fact is that it's sold out every night. But when you when you're talking about um, atmosphere and um, you know, fan engagement and, and, and being an electric place to play in, I agree with you. It's, it's really not. Uh, the, the only advantage that the Leafs have is that every game is sold out, which is why it's almost better being a road team in the Scotiabank Arena because you keep the game simple. Where what I found with the Maple Leafs is um, all this hype surrounding them, maybe the, the players uh, are feeling a little bit too good about themselves at home, and they're playing too cute of a game. It's almost like they're trying to look for that pretty play instead of, you know, adapting a road mentality, which is why it's almost easier being a road team, um, you know, playing the May Players at home because you don't have to do anything pretty. You just got to go in there, put the work in, and find a way to get the win. And uh, you know, everybody knows the reason for uh, the, the lack of, uh, of energy at the Scores Bank Arena is because the bottom bowl is full of people in suits.
2: And it's almost like... Uh, who don't take their ties off.
0: Yeah, who don't take their ties off. <laughs> but it's almost like it, it's a night out, and it's, it's a conversation instead of you know, the experience of being at a game. And unfortunately, in Toronto, that's never going to change. Um, yeah, it's it's a different atmosphere and a different electricity uh, when it comes playoff time because there's more on the line. But I tell you what, man, middle of the week game in Toronto, it's, it's not a fun game to be at, uh, you know, because there's just not much going on unless the Leafs are scoring a ton of
4: goals. Yeah, Carlo, this is uh, Butch Carter. I have historically said on this show that uh, for both teams, Leafs and Raptors, nothing was going to happen great for them for a championship unless they could get home ice or home yeah. court advantage. And yeah. I failed as a coach. We were great on the road, I think. We still hold the record against Western teams for the games we won, but I could not get that building excited. And but it's different now. The Raptors
2: games are different than the Leaf I,
4: games. They but, are. I, but I was there Monday, all right, and yeah. we basically got bored because the defense. We were in the defensive end the whole time, the whole first yeah. period. Right? I mean, it, it was it was horrible, and there were yeah. people that are they're excited to be at the game, but they aren't real fans.
2: Yeah, you know, they're, Well, they're, you know what? It, it's <laughs> tough to be, I mean, uh, you know, you go to the – I'm going to call it the ACC again. Naz, no. help me out here. The SBA. Sorry, I know what you're yeah. talking about. The SBA. Uh, <laughs> it doesn't have the same <laughs> ring as the ACC. The SBA. No, I, uh, no, I, I mean, you know, you get up into those purples and greens or whatever they are yeah. up there. I mean, it's it's a little bit different experience up there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, You get down into the golds, and with the dynamic seat pricing – I mean, you get you get a you get a premium game at the SBA on a Saturday night against Montreal Canadians an original six team. Those tickets are four hundred and fifty bucks each. Yeah. You know, I go watch a game in Columbus. I got I, I'm sitting in the best seat in the house for eighty bucks. Yeah. So I mean, who do you who do you think you're going to well, get at these know, games? You know,
3: here's the thing, though, right? You you have a situation where you go into and the, I can't blame uh, MLSE. Yeah, I mean, you, they're not you're a charity. Playing, you're playing away in all the leaf sweaters that are out there. They're playing home games away from home. Oh, well, I have if more fun in. watching.
2: I'm, I have more fun going to Buffalo watching Leaf games, or I'm, I'm looking yeah. forward to going to Montreal in February. Well, I mean, last,
3: he, he, last night's game, Pittsburgh, half have have the people there were cheering for the Leafs.
2: But you have to, guys, you also
4: have to take into account that on Monday night, there were seven kids from Ontario on Calgary who were coming home to play their ass off in front of mm-hmm. a sold-out crowd. And that's just human nature. You know, yeah. I, had, I had a simple rule with players that you had four personal games. You say, Coach, what is a personal game? Well, it's where you don't know as a coach that this guy has either played against someone in high school or someone in college, and he hates him, and he needs to get in the game to show you he hates him. Yeah. And they could tell me where those games were, but to sit there and think seven Ontario kids get to come home, and their family and friends and their coaches that helped them along the path are there,
2: and and they're not going to play different would, you, it's, a, it's the wrong assumption. Carlo, you, I'm sure you watched the game last <laughs> night. Uh, outstanding performance by the Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, yeah. They literally controlled that game from beginning to end. Yeah. Best performance of the season. Um, correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, what did you see last night that was, uh, I mean, against a very good Pittsburgh team?
0: Well, I think uh, if, you, if you listen to Mike Babcock after the Calgary game, our non security game, the Dallas game, when uh, they played on Thursday, in his press conference, you know, he, he basically said, "Listen, uh, the reality is we're not good enough at home, but we've got to find a way to dig in." And I think that's the message that the players played with last night is, right from the start of the game, they bought into the mentality that they need to take over that game. The intensity was there, um, you know, the, the the tenacity on the forecheck the the game plan of, of 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 playing in the offensive zone, getting to the hard areas of the ice, and you can tell it was it was a totally different team that we were watching, and I, I think and, and it could be because of you know being on the road, not 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 having to worry about putting on a show for the fans. I mean, right from the start, the guys were were uh, engaged into the game, and you know the key I think of the game was was they got the first goal and listening to you know Patrick Marlowe interview after the game, is you know, once they got the first goal, they were able, they were able to dictate the play, where the last couple of games when they're getting scored on first, they're chasing the game. So I think that was the importance of last night's game, is they were able to play the way they wanted to play because they came out right from the start and dictated to the Penguins that, hey, listen, we're here to play. You're going to play with us tonight, not us play with you. And I think that's sort of been... Uh, the downfall in the last couple home games is the Leafs have dropped down to the uh, level of play of their opponents instead of having their opponents adjust to the way they want to play. And, you know, let's, 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 you know, address the elephant in the room here. They're missing their best player in Austin Matthews and they're missing a really good player in William Nylander. but they've still got some really good players on this team that it shouldn't be an excuse or they shouldn't make an excuse not to at least. Compete night in and night out, and especially be a better team at home. And you see, you know, last night the big guns showed up. Uh, they they were the difference in the game. But if this team wants to be successful moving forward, they need more contribution from their depth players.
3: Carlo has uh, Morgan Riley become uh, a number one defenseman in the league. He looks really Absolutely. good.
0: Absolutely, i I said that before the season started. When people started to criticize the defense and it not being good enough, and the question was, you know, they don't have a number one defense. And I just said, whoa, 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 hold on a second. Morgan Riley is the number one defenseman on this team. Uh, he, to me, is a guy that, you know, checks all the boxes when you're looking for a guy to be a number one man on your team. He's a guy who can skate in an elite level. Uh, he can make a, a play at an elite level. He can shoot the puck. He's got great hockey IQ. And he plays, you know, he, he plays with an edge. I mean, he's a guy who, you know, competes on his one-on-one battles. And, you know, he's, he's a guy you can play 20, 25 minutes a night. And it just looks like he never gets tired out there. He gets better with every shift.
4: But,
1: Carly-
0: the confidence that he's started this season with has been outstanding. And, you know, it's a compliment to the players he's playing with too.
4: Go ahead, Butch. Butch, really quickly. This, I, I think you need more than one defense. <laughs> <laughs>
0: okay. i going to... Don't get me wrong. You're absolutely right. This, this defense as a whole could be a lot better. But when you got guys like Morgan Rye to start with...
2: Um, Makes you know, it easier. It
0: makes it
2: easier for yeah. sure, Carlo. I'm gonna to have to interrupt you there because uh, unfortunately we don't have the luxury you have. We don't have four hours. We only have an hour. <laughs> we don't have your luxury. So uh, I, I want to thank you for joining us, the, Carlo. The, I'm gonna to continue to listen. And there's one little segment I absolutely love on your show. It's called "Wake Up Woodbridge." <laughs> of course, you're talking uh, not, not talking about Butch. Not talking about Butch. But you're talking to two pythons here in the in, in yeah. studio this morning. I'm actually when when Wake Up Woodbridge is on I'm sitting <laughs> in my office in Woodbridge so uh, and I gotta tell you you know what uh, desserts plus a great restaurant but yeah, we're going to Nove and Castellanos paying okay so nice. Okay, nice. we'll, we'll <laughs> arrange that anyways nice. Carlo Koliakovo co-host of First Up TSN radio Mondays uh, 6 to 10 a.m. With, uh, with, uh, with Mike Landsberg great show Carlo will continue to listen to you and hopefully we we'll catch up again soon
0: yeah, for sure guys.
2: Uh, thanks for having me this morning. I love to do this again. We certainly would. Uh, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, uh, Butch, uh, you, you know, uh, we got uh, 2 minutes left. Uh we, uh we you broke down the Raptors for us, break down the Leafs for us.
4: The Leafs are very good. I think the issue with uh, home ice is uh, mental quickness. Uh, Calgary, you know, and the skate were just uh, their mental quickness was superior. And that goes from uh, their focus because the kids are coming home. It was, some, it was personal.
3: Think about this. The Leafs got Morgan Riley at $5.2 million. He's turning out to be a top-notch defenseman. What a bargain that is.
2: Well, it's interesting. You know, we're talking about uh, Riley and, uh, and Kadri. I don't know if I remember this, Butch, but uh, when they mm-hmm. signed them, you were on the show.
3: Not much not as much variety as,
2: <laughs> and you said, you know what it's a pretty good move tying up tying up these guys for that kind of dough. No, it's you're, the,
4: you're like you're ahead of the curve, well, Butch. no, the issue is that value if you mature them, it was an awesome the the issue is where they you sign them for where they're at, but what you really did is you locked them in, and if you made them better, they look very inexpensive, and it was absolutely the right thing to do and so on the development side they've been able to reach them and, and, and it just helps you know it, it takes you know hockey is so hard three shifts four shifts pucks flying and you know knocking guys teeth out and breaking their jaws and you need someone else you know next man up is very clear in hockey and uh you know all those years i could sit there on saturday night and walk out after watching film waiting for my sunday afternoon game and saying hey this stuff they do is exhausting and now i got to go, and how, how do I go third shift, fourth shift? So it's, it's a bigger calculator to, to be successful in hockey. we got to take advantage. 30 seconds, Butch.
2: Where are the Leafs going? Where are the Raptors going?
4: I believe the Leafs will be a lot better in the playoffs. I believe they'll get their home ice issue straightened out. The Raptors, as I said earlier, they have three players that if they are healthy, they are just going to be a bear to beat in the East because they do have a home court advantage and they have a star player. Nas,
2: last word. Looks
3: like Alabama and Notre Dame may end up meeting. <laughs> oh,
4: oh geez. Geez,
2: We man. will have that discussion next week. Uh, I'm a fighting Irish guy, and I'm on cloud nine, but uh, I'm not so sure I want to see them up against the Crimson Tide. <laughs> roll Tide. Roll, roll, <laughs> roll Tide. <roll>, <laughs> Anyways, it's been another great week on the Nas and Wally Sports. All right, Butch, thanks so much for coming in. We really, I, we really appreciate your insights. To all our listeners, have a fantastic and safe week. We'll be back again next Sunday morning.